So, when I was uh, thinking something that might be interesting for you, something along the lines that would go along with uh, the sermon this morning, I was thinking a lot about spiritual gifts and um, how we use them to serve each other, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit, um, but I wanted to do something that was, oh, that might, you might find a little bit interesting or entertaining, and, and so the tentative title for this little short uh, lesson here this morning, and I'm hoping for a lot of participation, so please don't be shy. Um, I've titled this, uh, When the Gifts Run Out, a mostly peaceable look at some of the other New Testament spiritual gifts. So, we, um, what's a spiritual gift? Can someone put together some kind of a... We talk about spiritual gifts a lot. We talk about what they're for. I would, you know, does anyone have a... Lee? What's that? Uh, I would say a spiritual gift is uh, a skill or a talent that God gives you specifically for the building up of the body. So it's not just like, oh, I'm a great singer, mm -hmm. which can certainly build up the body and encourage mm -hmm. people, but it's something that's really going to be a spiritual uh, blessing to uh, other people in the body. Yes, okay. and, and I think I think that's good. I think um, one of the one of the key parts there that she really nailed was it's they're designed for building up the body. Okay, um, we run into trouble sometimes when we see spiritual gifts exercised in a way that is more for personal aggrandizement, perhaps, or um, for to gain notoriety, or or worse, to make one believer feel more or lesser than another believer. We're all members of the same body, and the body needs all of its parts to function correctly. So um, I, I like that. I think that's a good. Um, I think that's a good working definition. Um, there's many. Um, sorry. Yes. Spiritual gifts in our lives. Amen. Big difference. Yes, and that really, you guys, that was two excellent answers. That was the other main part of the def of my working definition was just that it was they are given by the Spirit. Those are the two main points given by the Spirit to believers to edify and build up the body. Um, if you look through Acts and and the Corinthians, you'll find um, uh, the spiritual gifts listed in several places. Um, teaching, faith, healing, helping, administrating, exhortation, these sorts of things. Um, and it's important that we do study them. And you might say, well, why, why is it really that important to discern the gifts? Is that a big deal? And I would say yes, because I think, in my study of this and reading about this for this week, I think that if we can't, our study of what the spiritual gifts are, where they come from, informs how we ascertain gifts in others and in ourselves, and also what we accept as gifts, okay? Um, and that's really important because the gifts are given to build up the body. Um, if I see someone, someone else in our body, and I'm just like, wow, it really looks like God has given them the gift of helping. I mean, they, they, I, just, I see it, and I see the fruit from it, and they are, they are, they are gifted. And they, I might go to them and just say, wow, I just, your helping has been such a blessing. 
And I just want to encourage you in that area. And, and just so you know, it, it has been wonderful, uh, you know, for the people that you have helped. And, and I think that's a good and godly thing to encourage people in that way. Um, it also might mean if we, ourselves, as we're doing a little like self-assessment, what, what have other believers told me or things that I may have been given by the Holy Spirit that is useful to them or builds them up? So, you know, in others and in ourselves. And so we need to study those spiritual gifts because I want to cultivate the gifts the Spirit's given me. I want to help other believers, you know, um, cultivate those gifts as well and develop them over time. Um, but it requires a knowledge of what spiritual gifts are and what they are not. Um, so how do, we, um, how, do we, how do we authenticate these gifts? How do we ascertain them? How do you know if you're dealing with the spiritual gift or not? Thoughts? Someone comes to you and they say, I think you have a spiritual gift. Or they say, I think I have a spiritual gift. What's running through your brain? What's that? Amen. Can you actually do it? Amen. I may, I may tell you that I have the gift of administration, and you say, well, you seem terrible at math, and you can't keep anything organized, and, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't really see that, Jake. You know, you may have missed. So, yes. Um, we differentiate between spiritual and natural gifts, but that doesn't mean the natural gifts can't be used spiritually. Um, you, go back to the building, the, going into the uh, tabernacle in, in uh, the temple, where men who were skilled were, were called yes. upon. Yes. Were skilled, so, were skilled in certain physical areas, that, uh, or natural areas, if you will, yes. were, were used spiritually. There, is some there can be crossover or, or overlap, but they are considered. A person can have a spiritual gift. And, and Perhaps. I, I, I can see that. Um, well, I'll tell you this. What, what evidence, other than can you do it, what evidence would we have for a real gift? Jeremy. I mean, how would we, have, you know, this is an important point. I don't want to just skip right over this. Well, if the gifts are given to build up the body, where I'd want the body's testimony to being built up. I mean, it's like, the f it doesn't happen often. When someone tells me they've got the gift of discernment or wisdom, I'd be way more taking it seriously if other people told me that. Right. About that person. Right. So p part of it would be, have, and, and I think this gets back to your point about encouraging each other, is one of the ways I know what my giftedness is, as, as I'm trying to serve in various ways, as other people tell me, man, that, that was helpful, that was good. Um, that you sort of the body is testifying to to it. That would be one of the first places I'd look. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think I I would just to what's already been said. I would just add that um, just that we that we test it scripturally. Okay, if someone claims to have a gift that you've never heard of, and they claim it's a spiritual gift, and and you're like, I don't think I ever read about that one. You know, that would be something that you should take into consideration, I would say. Um, we have scriptural precedent for these gifts 
or how they're to be used. And I think that's important to all of us. Um, and any type of, um, I, I would be a little, I'd be more than a little, I'd be a little nervous about anyone who's claiming a gift that doesn't have scriptural precedent, okay? Does it match with what we've been told, okay? Experiential evidence is tricky, okay? Because someone might come to you and say, I saw this really cool thing. I experienced this really cool thing. Is it a spiritual gift? And I, I, would, I would tread cautiously there um, because experiential evidence is not given heavy weight in Scripture. And I'll prove it to you. You know Paul. Well, you don't know Paul, but we know Paul. Paul's not talking. Paul caught up into the third heaven. And he is not in a huge hurry to share this special revelation he's been given. He doesn't want people to think more highly of him. Remember we said that spiritual gifts aren't for making one believer more or less than another. Or how about another example? Peter. I'm going to read this. Peter saw our Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there he was talking to Moses and Elijah. Pretty big deal, right? So you would think Peter might have this experiential superiority. He's experienced something new. And I'm going to read to you just how much uh, Peter emphasizes the sufficiency of Scripture on this one. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 19. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is Christ. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to attend to. He is saying that even though he was in this position to, to, to sort of, he says scripture is still the answer, okay? Scripture is still how we, scripture is still how we ascertain everything about our walk in the Christian life. And both Peter and Paul, who saw far more special things than you and I ever will, are not holding that up as the end-all, be-all. Scripture's where it's at. So I would argue that Scripture is how we evaluate. Um, scripture is how we evaluate um, these gifts. Okay. Sorry, one moment here. Technical difficulties. I usually use paper because I'm a dinosaur. Sorry about that. There we go. All right. So, what you know? Why go through all this trouble? Why, um, why, why, why talk about the spiritual gifts this way? Well, I think some spiritual gifts are pretty easy to match up and pretty easy to understand. They look a lot the same today as they did in the New Testament church. Okay. If you say you have the gift of giving. If you discern that gift in someone else and encourage them in that way, I don't think that that's that controversial a moment, okay? I think you have the gift of giving. I think it looks just like the gift that is specifically given to us in Scripture, and by that scriptural um, <clears throat> test, you look like you have that gift. But there are some gifts that are more challenging, okay? And 
to kind of bring this full circle, those are some of the ones I want to talk a little bit more about today, all right? Because that can become challenging for us as Christians. So using this scriptural evidence, I want you guys to talk me through a little bit one of the more challenging gifts. What did the spiritual gift of healing look like in the New Testament? It's in the list. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing by the one Spirit. These are Spirit-given gifts. It's on the list, and we are to use Scripture, not experiential evidence, to ascertain what these, what these were like. So in the New Testament, what did Scripture say about healing? What did it look like? Yes. Thank you. I'm not exactly answering the question, but I think the hard part for me is that you see a whole lot of examples of the apostles healing people, mm-hmm. you know, especially like Peter mm-hmm. and uh, Paul. Yes. Um, so like basically the people who Luke was with and um, had his yes. uh, test or the witnesses that he was talking to when he was writing Acts. Mm-hmm. But I'm not aware of a whole lot um, of examples of like non-apostles who were performing miracles of healing. So I think Very good. when I've read that, it's like, what did this look like? Did anyone, you know, I don't even know if we know for sure if anyone outside of the apostles did have the gift of healing. And, good. you know, some people say that that kind of trailed off as mm-hmm. scripture was fully written. So it's like some people say, well, maybe other people did, but then say after all of those people who were mm-hmm. contemporaries with the mm-hmm. apostles died yes. off, then it probably wasn't. But again, I don't know if mm-hmm. we have any examples in the Bible. Maybe there is extra biblical. I think you are helping answer the question. I think that's very good. Zeb, that's a good point. One thing that uh, differentiates, we can say, between the apostolic uh, gift of healing in the immediate early church um, and what we see frequently is that the healings that were performed by the apostles um, were pretty verifiable. It was not an abstract, my back hurt yesterday and now my back does not hurt. Like it was, hey, this guy has not walked in 40 years. Now he's walking. Yes. Amen. I I think those are both very important points. Um, And Don here in just one second, because this was, I I think you've identified a couple of the key points, public and verifiable. Okay. Very, very very verifiable okay not something because don't forget the opposition right in the early church there's a whole lot of jews and a whole lot of gentiles who would love to see this experiment come crashing down they would love nothing more to discredit them okay so they're instantaneous they're public they're permanent and they're very much under control i'd like to read to you um acts 5 15 through 16 so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Okay? We're getting a look at what the authentic spiritual gift of healing looked like in the New Testament church. We're having mostly apostles. You pointed that out. This is who's happening 
and it's being done in public places. And there is massive opposition. Um, You want to turn to Acts five? I'm going to have to turn to Acts five because my computer has nearly deserted me. Hang in there, folks. We'll get through it. To speak to Zeb's um, to to speak to Zeb's point, I would like to point out what happens after those healings. All right, the high priest and the Sadducees are very upset by this. Okay. But what they don't do is dispute the healings. Remember, the opposition would love to undermine these Christians are a bunch of fakes. They're phonies. It's not real. We would ridicule them and mock them and say, here's this man. He said that he was healed. He doesn't look like he can walk to me. They would love to have been able to say that about the followers of Christ. But the high priest cannot charge them with that. He's trying to get them to stop saying these things. Um, locks them up. But what he can't do is dispute the miracles, okay? Um, so there's this real gift. That's what the New Testament gift of healing looks like. And I had a couple hands up over here, and I'm sorry, I was just fighting with my computer, but... Um, well, I've also heard that it would be, that those healings were in particular a sign. And it was like, where is it where it says the Greeks demand knowledge and the other people want that signs. Are, yeah, want signs and that they were providing signs for that yes. season mm -hmm. and then when that season was over signs were over and right. the healing was probably over too yes so again centered largely around the early early church that does not um, we don't have scriptural record that it was continuing on Far further than that. Yes, Don. I mean, most of the instances or, or references we see for healing, in, uh, especially in the New Testament, are for physical healing. The Bible, my, my position is that the Bible is first, foremost, and always a spiritual book. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, any physical healing, mm -hmm. even the ones that are done, were done for a spiritual purpose. Sure. And, and a spiritual healing is more important than a physical healing. Amen. And so yes. I think we can understand mm -hmm. healing in a, in a spiritual mm -hmm. sense as well. Mm -hmm. Not to negate mm -hmm. the yes. physical, mm -hmm. but ultimately the, the spiritual is the greatest. Yes. yes. One other point I'd like to make, too, regarding gifts. A gift really heavily implies that it's repeatable. I think a one-time event does not mean that that gift is necessarily given. Um, a gift implies that it happened regularly or happened you know, more than once. Sorry, yes. So I guess I, my question, based on what he mm -hmm. said, is maybe is the gift of healings nowadays mm -hmm. still going to be where a pastor or a believer skillfully mm -hmm. handles the word of God mm -hmm. and is able to minister to someone that is emotionally or psychologically mm -hmm. Have yes. major problems and restore them to spiritual health? I think that's an excellent question. I don't think that that closely matches with sort of the, 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 new, the whole 
because in the New Testament it's instantaneous and it's complete? I think that's a good question, and that's why, again, it seems like it's maybe not that important, but when we start ascertaining these gifts, because you're going to hear stuff, people are going to talk about these sorts of things. Oh, you're a Christian. Don't you guys believe in those gifts of healing and all that? To which you might answer, yes, and I don't believe that that New Testament gift is still being regularly around anymore, as being regularly around anymore. I'm just saying that's why it's important, because we have to be able to distinguish the genuine from the counterfeit, okay? Um, as as uh, John wrote for us in John 4.1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test these spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, Okay. There are counterfeits. There are almost, but not quite. I mean, there's things like this, all right? Now, so, so I have a question. This ties in nicely with what you were saying. What does the modern-day gift of healing look like? Y'all watch TV? Y'all read the me- you know, media? Throw, throw, throw out an example for me. Kill everybody. And, and are they instantaneously, publicly, and completely healed? Obviously not. That's a rhetorical question. But you find this stuff. It's more prevalent than you think, okay? There are people who claim the name of Christ who say this exact thing is still happening on large scale. Um, and, and I would just, it's important to, to study these so that we can know when, when you see that sort of word of faith, name your blessing, TBN, money for miracles kind of stuff. You need to know that. We need to have enough discernment to, 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 to say, no, I don't think so. Um, now, what's the harm? Doesn't it give people some hope? I mean, what's the harm, really? I want some answers here. You all can think about this. <laughs> why, why couldn't we just be a little more accepting on this and just, Serena, In most cases, people who don't receive healing are told that it's their fault, that they didn't have enough faith or they declared it or named it or whatever. They did it wrong. Yeah. So um, I think it does a lot of damage that way. And I also think it does a lot of damage to credibility outside of the church when you see um, people who are clearly in it for the fame and the money and they're claiming to heal people, but then every five years or so there's some expose on how they have plants in the thing or in the audience or whatever or somebody Mm -hmm. amen it's it's horrifying i that was the next point of my notes is that you know how would you like to be someone who's struggling with a sickness or an illness and you want nothing more than to be free of it and you meet someone who says that they're a follower of christ and that you know if you go to this service or do this thing you may be healed and you go and do it, and nothing happens, and then they tell you, well, you must not have had enough faith. That is devastating. That is, that is a horrible thing to do for someone who's already in dire straits, who already is sick, who's already in pain. That's a terrible thing to do. And it's a terrible, it's a terrible look for the church. So, uh, Zeb, sorry. Yeah, so kind of piggy, just a, in addition to what uh, Serena said, and then I've got something else. Uh, just as an example, the the sort of premier example of the word of faith, faith healing, it, Benny Hinn is probably who we'd say. If you are in a wheelchair and you show up to a Benny Hinn rally, they will put you in the back <laughs> where you can't get up front, where you can't be seen. Right. They only allow, they, they don't allow anyone with any sort of a visible, verifiable, mm-hmm. like, 
malady to be yeah. Yeah. to be healed big air quotes there um but uh what i was gonna say was uh one of the most damning things about the about the word of faith about um faith healers as a whole is they're all heretics and i don't mean that like they believe the wrong thing about the gifts like could can anybody name anybody can anyone in here name a faith healer with an orthodox trinitarian theology because i can't literally like not a single big name is an actual christian by the historical standard they're all heretics it's just you know i i hear what you're saying i do and i think i just i just want people to think about you know because you you hear a lot about this i want people to be able to connect and look because the gift of healing that was a real thing it really happened in the church and as christians we ought to be informed about it enough that we can recognize a counterfeit when we see it now an important little excursus here. Does this mean that we should not pray and hope for healing from our God? Does this mean that God won't heal you? I would say absolutely not. We are called repeatedly in the New Testament to cast our cares upon God, to bring you know, prayers to him, to hope for answers um, in the way that we want them. But so, but, but again, we need to be able to delineate, I'm praying that I would be healed. I'm praying that my friend would be healed. But that's different than the New Testament gift of healing. Does anyone have any other thoughts on that before we kind of move on a little bit? I just, it's kind of a lot. Um, and I just want to make sure we're clear on, you know, yes. Bridget, sorry. Yeah, this is just a question. Um, this might be more of a different differentiation of like a natural healing ability, mm-hmm. God-given gift versus like the spiritual one. But even thinking of my mom being a massage therapist, people will praise her for, you mm-hmm. know, her healing hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's using that, you know, in a business um, as well as people in the body. So I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on that. Oh, absolutely. If, if, if she is, is giving people comfort, you know, and, and helping ease their afflictions, I think that is a wonderful, you know, a wonderful vocation and a wonderful use. I'm in healthcare myself, and, and anytime you can help someone, um, I think that's, that's, that is a good and godly thing to do. Um, but if someone were to ask me, you know, do, do, I, do I help patients? Yes, I do my best every day to do exactly that. Do I heal patients? I would draw a line there. I don't heal patients. I, I, I use what means God has given me to help patients. But to me, um, fixing something uh, is, not, is not akin to, you know, Peter, where they were just carrying people to be near him so they could be healed, you know, and that it was happening in mass, in public, in a miraculous beyond the bounds of recognizable science kind of a way. You know what I mean? I, I would hope as in healthcare, I feel like we sort of work through the natural world as we understand it. And I certainly don't feel like we abandon the laws of nature, or the, 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 the physical laws in any way, but God is free to do that whenever and wherever he chooses. Yes. I, I read a quote once on uh, Phil Johnson's Pyromaniacs page, which has stuck with me. It's short, but you got to think through this. The fact that those arguing for continuing gifts of healing have to make arguments is a sufficient and devastating rebuttal of their position. 
no, let, let me let me unpack that. The fact that people claiming the continuation of gifts of healing and miracles have to make arguments is a sufficient and devastating rebuttal of their position. Because if someone has an orthodox gospel and a dude doesn't have a finger and then he's got a finger, you win. Right? No, no, just you win. If, if you, we can show up and here's a guy missing a foot and you, you, you can confess Christ and lay the gospel out so we know it's not a demon. We know it's, and then the dude's got a foot. You win. Game, set, match. And we're 50, 60 years on from the beginning of the vineyard movement and we're writing books and they're writing books. That is not what the early church needed to do. Where, where the genuine gifts were present, as you pointed out, there was no confusion over what was going on. Just like with Jesus, he's doing miracles by demons. That was they had to respond that way to Jesus, not, you know. Um, so that's that's yeah, yeah. So yes, Anna. So, is there an argument to be said that there could be no spiritual gifts now? I mean, if we're not healing in that way, or you know. I think that. Um, we, we, we study the scripture and we recognize the spiritual gifts as we see them. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I asked if, if we could argue the fact that there are no spiritual gifts now. Mm. Because. Right. 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 I think that, again, that's why it's so important to study them so that we can delineate when we see someone using a gift to build up the body that is edifying to the people, to the believers around them, and that it matches up with the New Testament description, then I say praise God, and it looks like a spiritual gift. I just mean, and really today was just about hitting on some of the ones that are harder. Now, um, a book I've got that I would recommend to anyone here who wants to study about the spiritual gifts, it's easy. It's an easy read. Shriner's Spiritual Gifts, excellent. Very, very good. It talks about all the gifts a little bit. Um, Obviously, um, the gifts are given for, you know, now, for this time, for the church, you know, that we can build each other up. Um, they're not always going to be around the way they are now. But, no, I, I, I think that when we look and see some gifts that may not still exist or may not be widely around the way they were before, it doesn't necessarily follow that the other gifts are not in practice because the gifts are all different. Um, and, and if we still see what looks just like the New Testament gift going on amongst us and it's functioning in the same way, then I have no problem accepting that as an authentic, legitimate gift. Um, good question, though. I, did you have any follow-up on that, Anna? Okay. And I just like I said, I, I hope that just with this one... Um, oh, I saw a hand go up. Sorry. Thanks, Dean. We'll find you. It's Don. <laughs> It had to be done. I was actually pointing over to But you thought of something, right? Yeah. Yes, but right now I've forgotten what it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Don. If it comes back, let me know. Um, kind of a follow-up to Anna's comment, you know, if, if the gift of healing isn't mm -hmm. prevalent, you know, mm -hmm. can we discount all the other gifts? Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be really a stumbling block if our mm -hmm. doctrine was focused on gifts mm -hmm. as the primary thing we were worshiping mm -hmm. or trying sure. to achieve. But sure. since, since it isn't, of course, mm -hmm. um, 
well worth a study and it's well worth being accurate about it. But if, and to Pastor Jeremy's point, if somebody uh, was in need of healing in our church and somebody, however that happened, you know, uh, professed the gospel and laid hands on somebody or however that went down and they were genuinely healed mm -hmm. and it was for the benefit of the church, I mean, I think we'd have to mm -hmm. scrutinize that scripturally and we mm -hmm. may come to the conclusion that, mm -hmm. wow, that was a, a healing gift mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe they continue to have that or they don't. Mm -hmm. But we'd, of course, use the Bible to recognize that mm -hmm. and uh, not not be dismayed or shocked or whatever. Right. Uh, right. But obviously, our, um, you know, we're not worshiping the gift of giving. We're not worshiping the gift of exhortation or these mm -hmm. other things. We're worshiping a, a living mm -hmm. and risen God. So that's mm -hmm. that's that's the important thing. So to the point of, you know, where where these mm -hmm. uh everything in that hierarchy of, of, um, of uh, importance, you know, the, it falls further down. So, um, yeah, so whether, I mean, you know, that, and, and like I said, not to minimize at all the discussion because it's super valuable, but, but that's the thing I always like, you know, it's easy to start getting caught up on little things that you, you uh, look at and you realize, oh, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, spirit, Truly. you know, things like that. So, um, and as a defense to other people outside of our body, mm -hmm. right? Oh, wow. You know, what, you guys got healers in there? What are you, some kind of snake handling church or what, mm -hmm. what's your deal? Right. And, uh, you know, to be able to say, no, you know, we worship a risen God and we study his word mm -hmm. so he can tell us what he means. So if he chooses to heal, give yep. someone the ability to heal, that's great. If he None of, none of this, I agree, and none of this in any way limits God. I want to be very clear about that, okay? God will move and work in the way, you know, that he wants to. Um, I just hope, hopefully, at, at we've at least shown some of the consequences that can come from not completely understanding the gifts, because from the, from the very beginning, I mean, as early, you know, New Testament church, you know, test the spirit. There are counterfeits available from the very beginning, and I just want us to be well enough informed that we can, you know, spot when something there's obviously wrong with something, something wrong with it. Um, sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I think that's true. Just a real quick thought I had from earlier was yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it kind of falls out of the vernacular. I think we get stuck by saying, "Oh, your gift is in childcare," <laughs> or yeah. "Your yeah. gift, your gift is in cooking for yes. potluck." You know, I mean, yes. we get into some of those kind of things too, which just made me think earlier. You know, our gifts that we're given, uh, you know, there's legitimate spiritual gifts. There's things that may be talents or abilities that we have to mm -hmm. serve each other, and and in and around that, there's is it legitimate to say that sometimes you don't really want the gift that you've got? You know, um, I think that, you know, God gives the gifts as he wills, and it certainly could be possible that um, you start, other people start recognizing a gift that you have that you're like, oh, I don't really want that gift. But I think that sort of hints at an underlying thing that I spoke about earlier. The spiritual gifts are not about making one Christian more or less than another. And I think the problem we fall into is sometimes we're like, I don't want that gift. I want a grander gift. I want a more high profile gift. I want a gift that's going to make me look good. Oh, wait, that's not what they're for. But, but, you, but you get that, right? I mean, because everyone, I, I don't know, throw out the highest profile gift you can think of. May, healing, maybe, but we've kind of talked about how that is not really, um, we're, we're not seeing that in the New Testament model on any large scale in today's world. But throw out prophecy. Yes, prophecy. I want a prophecy. You know, I want something where everyone's going to look at me and be like, whoa, that's it. That, that guy's gifted. All right, that guy's gifted. As soon as that creeps into your heart, 
we are in totally the wrong place, okay? And, and as Christians, we should be very happy to accept whatever gift or gifts, you, may, you can have more than one gift, just to be clear on that, that you've been given and use it in the way that the Bible describes, which will help guard us from being like, oh, this is the gift? I don't want helping. I wanted giving. Because if my gift is giving, I must be really rich. You know, that's our, you know what I'm saying? We don't want... We don't want to fall into these sorts of like where we, where we, because as soon as we do that, we've lost the whole point of the gift. Zeb was talking about some of these like, you know, word of faith healing types. There's no one more high profile than someone who walks out on stage and says, give me your money and I will heal you. That's about as, that about, that's about as ostentatious as it is possible to be. Um, and it is so far away from you know, building up the body and being thankful for the gift you have, developing the gifts. So, no, that, that's that's an excellent point. Was there a question back there? Did I miss one? Oh, yes, Carrie. Sorry. So, with, like, trying to build up the body and using our gifts to serve each other, from an elder capacity, like, do our elders try to kind of, like, keep track of or monitor, like, what different people have as gifts and, like, how to use those for the body? Like, whether that's informal of, hey, I know this person and actually they're really good with help so we can kind of direct them in that way or maybe more formally but just looking at like what does our body have and how they use it in an informal way i would say that we try to recognize it and encourage it if if, if we do recognize it i would never claim that we catch all the gifts um but obviously if someone is is we see something that's really bearing fruit and it's building people up. And again, it matches the, the, the scriptural description of that gift. Happy to encourage it. Sometimes people have gifts and they don't know about it. It's okay to tell your brother or sister in Christ, wow, you know, I think you might be a, a helper. I mean, that was, you seem to have that been given a gift. Allow me to, to disagree a smile bit. We By all means. We certainly do formally recognize some gifting. That's what we do with deacons and elders. In, in Ephesians 4, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers. So there, there are some giftings that we absolutely recognize. I, I do, my understanding of church polity is not that we make and empower someone to be a deacon or an elder, but we recognize that the Spirit has given us those. And so the body says, yes, we see. Um, it's not that the day before uh, Jake Hopper became an elder, he had less authority. It's the recognition of the gifting. Um, and, and to lesser degrees, we still do some of that. Men's ministry are aware of the men, the other people in the body who have a desire to serve and do work. So at varying levels of formality and informality, where, whether there are lists or whether there's actually offices, sure. And there's plenty of other levels as well. So I try to keep my eyes open. We try to keep our eyes open what people are doing. The primary task of the, the pastors and elders is the equipping of people to ministry. So the biggest thing is when people want to serve and they want coning of their gifts and they want training in their gifts, that would be the, the, the pulse line, at least as my understanding of elders, of what we're here doing and trying to stir people up to do things. But I, I love nothing more than hearing that. I mean, I, this, this is the thing that gives me some of the greatest joy, hearing crazy cool ministry taking place I'm not even aware of because it's coming from the bottom up, not the top down. Um, I, the reason VBS was totally bottom up and finding out, you know, that we got guys going around mowing widows lawns and no one's, no one had to make a widow lawn mowing ministry. They're just doing it. That, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, we try to keep our eyes open, but there are varying levels of structure, varying levels of list keeping and recognition. 
Yes, thank you. I, I wasn't thinking about church offices so much, but no, that's an excellent point. I, um, in that way, yes, it is much more formal. I completely agree. Um, so, uh, yes, questions? Well, a question that's been there for all the way through, but um, when you were saying, when Pastor Jeremy was just saying he became aware of people mowing people's lawns, and it was, you know, somebody had told him or he overheard. Mm -hmm. It bothers me when somebody tells me that they appreciate mm -hmm. something I've done because that kicks me into, oh dear, now I won't get reward from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and not only that, but then it gets, I get into this big head stuff. Right. Oh, well, right. you know, ooh, I don't like that. Tell Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> You, you've all heard it publicly. Debbie would like to defer all future compliments to the pastors. Um, um, so, so anyway, yeah. Amen. Amen. No, no, it's. The way Paul deals with the tension you're describing, and, and I think probably the best, most of the time when people say thank you, they're just expressing gratitude, which is where I like what Daniel said this morning. Praise God. What Paul does is he thanks God for people in their hearing. So really what it would be is, Deb, I want to let you know how thankful I am to the Lord for the grace he's been ministering through you. Now that is the way Paul most of the, you know, I'm just saying that'd be a good habit for us to get in, and it resolves the tension of uh, I'm getting the glory. But Paul absolutely in his letters wants to let people he's thankful for know he's thankful for them, which is his way of we want to let you know, brothers, that we give thanks to our God in our every remembrance of you for the grace poured out on you. That that's a great way to resolve that tension of the big head. And I want I'm, I'm thanking God, not you. Yeah. But I wanted to let you know that I'm thanking God for yeah. you. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. And guys, I, I'll be honest with you here. The, the I hope that today has sort of at least. Um, made a little bit of an argument for um, the importance of knowing something about the gifts, about studying them, about uh, the damage that can be done by counterfeit gifts and why it's important to have that scriptural knowledge and not just trust in um, experiential stuff. I do have one big regret, and I will share it with you now. I prepared way too much stuff. I had this much stuff and more on tongues and prophecy that we're not even going to get to today because we have run out of time. I so appreciate your participation. And like I said, I'd be happy to provide notes and more stuff if you want to delve a little deeper into some of the more, shall we say, challenging spiritual gifts. And um, <laughs> Anyway, um, any other last thoughts or questions? You got a chance to be the last one. Yes. Going back to what Deb uh, said, I, Jeremy can correct me. I think if we do things out of a heart to please God, that when people thank us, that we can show kindness by accepting that. Mm -hmm. But again, just at least for me, I've got to be careful because sometimes I want it to be about me. 
and I really want to do things from the right heart and ask God to help me do things from a right heart, a right motive. No, well said. I cannot top that. Shall we leave it at that? Amen and amen. Thank you all. You are dismissed. Have a great day.